Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, well, take a seat. Oh, there it goes. Sort it out. You just got to say amen a few times, that's all. Well, I've never seen Bill actually get emotional. That was really good, Bill. That's, I thought it was, you know, straight from the heart. It's nothing, you know, you know, many times when it comes to emotions and standing up in front of people, you don't kind of go, now I'm going to become emotional. And now, usually it's the other way around. It's like, don't become emotional, don't become emotional. Don't. And then sort of it comes out and you think, oh, you know, where did that come from? But, you know, we are a heart church, aren't we? We speak from the heart. It's not just hip from here, but it, it's something we feel deeply. If your Christianity is not something you feel deeply, then you need to have a look at it again because we are not just mind. We are also spirit and emotion. We are a whole being, and it affects us. That's why when we worship God, there's emotion attached to that. You don't have to cry all the time, but there's something you feel deep within. It's, it's our, our connection with God affects every part of who we are. And so therefore, when you see something like that, whether it's Lo- Lois, Lois can cry at a drop of a hat, you know, and, and, and I can get really, it's because we sense the Spirit of God. It's because it, it, it is something that God is doing within our lives. Well, uh, before I start to preach today, I just want to say a huge thank you. And uh, I think I'm just a bit negligent here. And, uh, and a huge thank you for the really generous offering that you took up for Lois and I uh, when we, on our departure as senior pastors, it was something that you did uh, behind the scenes. It was something we were not expecting. We were, honestly, we were not expecting, but thank you. Thank you. It was, generous. It was a very generous offering, and we, we just want to say thank you. So say to the person next to you, thank you. So, you know, the more I travel around Victoria, the more I am thankful for the church that we have. You just got to see the very different church. And by the way, I just want to say something. So people come up to me and they say, how's your holiday? Mate, that holiday finished a long time ago. <laughs> how's retirement? I'm not retired. Please. I think they do it just to stir me up. I'm not retired, okay? I have scaled down a little bit. But so if I'm not here on a Sunday, right, it's not because, oh, he's gone on another holiday. No, he hasn't. I'm at another campus. I'm preaching at another Victorian church. You know, I'm busy, okay? I'm busy. So, and we are. We're busy. It's like, <laughs> all right. But I, I'm just so thankful. When you travel around and you see the churches, we have got a strong church here. I tell you, we've got great leadership. We've got great senior pastors. Come on. We've got the great senior pastors. And... Uh, I just felt something dropped into my spirit, and it came from a verse, John chapter 14, verse 12, when we're worshiping God. In the context, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's for you, Jason and Alyssa, and he says, truly I say to you that you will do works, the works that I've been doing you will do, but you will do even greater things than these. And I just sense that God is going to, whatever's happened in the past, you will do greater things than these. And that was the start, that was a, that was a foundation. And so don't look to the past, look what God's going to do because he's going to take what, what has been done and he's going to take it far further. Because, and it says, because I'm going to the Father. Amen? How many believe for greater things? Amen. All right, so 
Let's, uh, we're going to look at God's Word. Today we are the, on the 21st day of prayer and fasting, and it's, it's the last day. I love the theme of this year, by the way. What is it? Come on, shout out, Holy Ground. Shout it out again, Holy Ground. You see, we are meant to be people who carry the presence of God. That's Holy Ground. And we are to be people who actually carry the, the character of God so that we are holy in our lifestyle. So we, we bring the presence of God wherever we go. And nothing does that more than prayer, where we carry God's presence. It reminds me of a story of a young man who was praying in a church in England, and he was not very educated at all, and he stood up to pray publicly, and, and, and he, he was destroying the king's English. His grammar was atrocious. He was just mixing up the verbs and the, and the, the adverbs and the adjectives. They're all over the place. But he's very passionate about what he was praying. And there was a lady in the congregation. She happened to be from a high, upper class sort of area. And she was just absolutely disgusted that this man, young man would pray in the church. And, and so she went up to him at the end of the service. The audacity of this woman. And she said to him, young man... I've never, I've never heard a worse prayer in my life. Your grammar was atrocious. You offended me. To which the young man said to her, but lady, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Come on. I wasn't talking to you. It doesn't matter how, you know, sometimes we try to impress people. We try to impress God. We try to somehow, uh, you know, uh, draw people to ourselves, but prayer is all about humility. It's all about coming to God with sincerity of heart and expressing. They're the kind of prayers that God listens to, not those that are fancy, that those that come from the heart. Amen? So why is it that we pray? We don't pray to inform God. As you know, Jesus said, it's not as if God doesn't know what's happening in your life, but we pray because He is God and we are not. We pray, the arrogant man says, like William Henley, I am the master of my own fate. I am the captain of my own soul. That sounds good. But you know, humility says, there's so many things I can't control. There's so many things that are beyond me, and I humble myself before God, and I bow before Him, and I pray, God, that you will do that which I cannot do. Can I get an amen here? That ought to be where the, the, the attitude of our heart as we come in around a time of prayer and fasting. God, we are praying, we are fasting because we realize that we are insufficient of ourselves. We need your help. We need your power. We need your spirit. We need you to fight for us. God be with us. And God loves that. I've entitled the message today, The Promise of Answered Prayer. How many believe that God is a prayer answering God? All right, half of you. How many believe that God is a prayer-answering God? He answers prayer. I think nothing is more reassuring than when you go into a new year that you don't know what's going to come or that there's confusion coming, there's perplexity out there, there's so much unknown that we have a God who hears us when we pray and He's, he's there ready to listen. And I want us to have a fresh look at the words of Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11 that speak about God's commitment to us or the, the prayer answering God that we have. And I want us all to read this together. We'll put it up on the screen. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Here we have, first of all, the, the assurance of answered prayer. And then Jesus repeats it in a different way to make an emphasis. Let's read it together. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake or a serpent? If you then, being evil, he's saying because you possess a a fallen nature, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? I'm going to come back to that later on. Will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who love him? Powerful words from our Master about the assurance of prayer that we can have, that we serve a prayer-answering God. See, Jesus teaches us the way to come to God our Father in heaven is to come expectantly and to come confidently. Everybody say, come expectantly, come confidently. The first thing we see here in this passage of Scripture is that we come to God with great expectation because He is a prayer-answering God. Because he listens when we pray. I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you're talking to somebody. And they're in front of you, but they're not actually listening to you. They're looking around. They're distracted by somebody else. I don't know who they're looking for around the room. They're not giving you eye contact. And you feel like saying to them, hey, I'm here. Don't be so rude. So how dare you go looking at somebody? They're devaluing you because you're in front of them. Let me tell you, that will never happen with God. You have his undivided attention. You are the most important person in the room. There's no need. God is not looking around for anybody else. He's looking at you. When you come to God in prayer, he's looking at you. He's listening to you. You have his attention. And so Jesus says to us here, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. And then he hammers the point. He says it again. You didn't get it, did you? You know, one of the laws of communication is repetition. 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 I oh, know, I'm mucking around with you. Repetition. You repeat it. And then he says, so he puts it another way. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, it will be open. It's like, bang. Bang, bang, don't you get it? That you need to come to God with an expectation because we have a prayer answering God who listens to when we look to Him. Some skeptical people came to a man called William Temple. William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time. And they went up to him and they said, Oh, all this talk about God answering prayer, it's just coincidence. He was a godly man. He was a prayerful man. And he turned to them and said, well, all I can tell you is this. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. Well said, William. Well said. You see, we serve a prayer answering God. Jesus said, just ask. Ask. 
And one of the things that Lois and I have learned over the years is just to ask. Sometimes the most difficult and impossible situations, we just ask God. We don't know the outcome, but we just ask. Jesus said, ask. That's all. You know, some people will say, oh, don't be so naive. God wouldn't do that. Why are you bother asking? How do you know? Why are you speaking for God? If it's not contradicting what God's Word said, ask. Just ask. Don't speak and let Him make the decision. You just ask and see what happens. No harm in asking. No harm in asking. You know, James chapter 4 verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. Just ask. Whether it's small or whether it's great, doesn't matter. Again, a woman came to the great preacher Campbell Morgan and said to him, Ah, you know, I don't ask God for small things. Only ask God for big things. To which Campbell Morgan then responded, Lady, anything you ask of God is small. <laughs> ask! Whether it's small, whether it's a parking, uh, parking space, or my wife always asking for parking spaces. Uh, whether it's a terminal illness, just ask and leave the results with God. Come expectantly and believe that He can do anything because with God, Nothing is impossible. Can I have an amen here? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive, there's a promise of answered prayer, mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Now Jesus uses three very interesting words to describe the fact that that God answers prayer. He uses the words ask, Seek and knock. Most scholars will tell you that those words have an increase in in intensity. It's going from one level to the next level. And by the way, these are not suggestions. They're actually commands. You're not just, oh, you can do it if you want. No, you must ask, you must seek, and you must knock. I don't know if you've ever been to a friend's home and they're expecting you. And so you get there, the door is open, You say, hello. Nobody answers. What do you do? Do you go home? No. What do you do? You go, okay, they didn't hear me. Hello. They don't answer again. You go to the next level, don't you? Then you think, okay, maybe I'll knock lightly. Hello. Nothing. Hmm. They're expect- the car is there. The door is open. They're expecting you. What do you do then? Hello? Nothing. Wow. You don't go home. You take it to the next level again. Now, if you know them well, you might go through the entrance, the, the side entrance. You go through the gate. Now, you don't do that, of course, if you don't know the person. <laughs> but, you know, get the shotgun out, kill you. But, but you know, you go in, and then you... <laughs> It, you, you take the next level, and you kind of go, hello, you're looking around, you're doing now, you're doing all three, you're asking, you're knocking, you're now seeking, and finally they're there, it pays off. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. In fact, I, I, I put a persistence and positive expectation is what Jesus is calling from us in prayer. It's not that he's hiding from us. It's just he's, he's seeking to see if we are sincere 
in our asking. Sometimes we, you, you and I know what it's like. We pray, Lord, Lord, bless me. How many of you know God doesn't hear those kind of prayers? But I tell you, when you start getting a little bit of fire there, when you start getting a bit intense there, God goes, oh, now you are serious. And he begins to answer. We've just come out of Christmas. And now, before you know it, the Easter egg, I think the Easter eggs are already out, aren't they? Easter eggs are out. And we're marching toward that. And one of the things we used to do in our home is the Easter egg hunt. How many of you played that with the kids? When the children are young? Okay, some of you still do that. You still playing that, Damien? <laughs> I'll hide a few eggs for you if you like. It's okay. So what we would do is we would hide Easter eggs. Some of them are small, some of them are big, and, and put them in different places. And, and it was a lot of fun. It was all about the joy of discovery. We could give them the eggs, but, but they, you know, when they found them, it was like... And, and so as parents, we would, as they began searching in the front of the backyard, we'd go... A little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, stop, take two steps forward, look down, dig a little bit, and then they found out, their eyes would light up. It was the joy of discovery. We didn't hide them so that they wouldn't find them. Listen to me. We hid them so that they would find them. Now, it's not as if we buried a a three-meter hole, put the eggs in there, and concrete, and then say, find that. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? No, no. We put them in a position where they could find them. This is what Jesus is saying. Ask, seek, knock, and you will find that I am a good God. And you will experience the joy of discovery. The joy of discovery. Richard Trench said it really well. Again, I'm, I'm ta- I don't know I'm talking about archbishops today. The archbishop of Dublin, he said it this way. I love this way. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. You, you, I think you all need to say that with me. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness and not saying, oh God, please, oh God, please, please. No, God says, here it is, and we grab a hold of it in prayer. That's what prayer is. So firstly, we come expectantly because we have a prayer answering God. Ask, seek, knock, and it will be open to you. And then we come confidently because of the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. Let's read this together. Or which one of you, read this together, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent or a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Jesus uses those words, by the way, often. And he's going from the lesser to the greater. You understand this, now understand this. If you are like that, this is the way God is. He's often doing that. Will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus paints a very familiar story. It's a story that everybody who was listening to him would have understood because it was so natural. Here you have a father or maybe parents. Let's let's, Let's make it more generic here. And the child comes and and says, Dad, Mom, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? Can I, have, uh, can I have some fish? 
Can, can I have a piece of bread? And you've got to understand the fish and bread are very staple diets in, 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 that, in that area, in that scene. It's, 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 a, it's not extravagant prayer. It's a basic prayer. He's not asking for a steak. If you don't know what that means, talk to J- Jason. He's just asking just for something very, very simple. What parent, if a child asks for something wholesome, gives them something harmful? I mean, think about this. If a, if a, a child goes to a parent and says, can I have a piece of bread? Will a parent in their right mind put a plate of rocks there and said, munch on that? Break your teeth on that one. Toughen up on that one. Go ahead. What do you do with a person like that? You, put, you, you report them to the authorities. There's something wrong. There's something mentally not, not right. And then he, he draws another parallel. He says, what, what parent, if a child asks for a fish, would then cover up a snake, put it under a cover, so that when the, the child lifted up the cover, the snake would bite them and inject poison into them. Now, I, I, don't want you, I want you to understand what's happening here. As the crowd listened to Jesus, you can feel the tension in the air. You can feel this outrage. This is, this, is, this is awful. And that's when Jesus comes right in and says, okay, you understand then. Then, as parents, even though you are evil, let me stop here for a moment. All the evil parents lift up hands. <laughs> what is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying even though you have a fallen nature, even though you don't get it all right, even though you mess up and all the parents said, you know, you, 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 you say things. Have you ever at times said things or thought things? And what was I thinking? We fail even to live up to our own expectations, never mind the expectations of God. We fail to live up to our own standards, never mind the standards of God. That's why we are sinners in need of a Savior. That's what Jesus is hinting at here. Even though you are evil, we need a a radical. Selfishness is so ingrained in us that we need a radical change from the inside out. And yet, there is still good in us. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. As bad as you are, in the message translation, I think that really captures what Jesus is wanting to say here. You wouldn't even think of doing such a thing. You are at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? What's the answer to that? Of course. What do you think that your Father in heaven delights in seeing you suffer? Do you think he enjoys in injecting you with poison? Do you think he's got stuff there to break your teeth so that you learn a lesson? No. A thousand times no. No! That's not the concept of God. That's the concept of the pagan gods. That's what they did but not your father in heaven. No. Take the best father on earth, and our father in heaven is much, much kinder, much, much more forgiving, more patient, more generous, more present, more compassionate. 
more with us, more committed to us, more, more, how much more, how much more. And Jesus is telling us something. Listen, you can never overemphasize the goodness of God. You read the Old Testament. You read the New Testament. And you'll find one theme. Just It's the most important theme in Scripture. Over and over, it's telling us that God treats us better than what we deserve. Even when He punishes us, even when He disciplines us, He does it with a heavy heart. Because He's a good God. Come on, everybody, say he's a good God. Listen to me. Your faith will never rise higher than your conviction about the goodness of God. Uh, I've been studying different people in history and the effects that they've had on, on the church. And some uh, have had a very transactional approach to faith. What I'll explain this. It's a bit like if you say this, then God will reward you. Okay, you've got to say this, you've got to do this. It's very, it's very transactional, okay? But listen, we don't serve like a bending machine where you just put it in or you, you punch in the right figures and out it comes, right? This is, this is not the God that we serve. What we serve is a God who is good and He's compassionate. Your appeal is not yourself. Your appeal is upon the goodness of God, that He treats you better than He is a God of mercy. He is a God of love. He is a God of patience. He's a God of compassion. That's where you can come to Him. That's why you can come with confidence to Him. That's the only reason you've got to be able to come to Him and receive. Not because you do the right thing, punch out whatever it is, whatever the formula is. It never, never works. You've got to know deep inside of here, God is good. God is faithful. God will look after me. I will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living, not because I deserve it, but because He deserves it. Listen to me. The root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. Psalm 31, verse 19. Read it with me. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all those who take refuge in you. You know that God has got good things stored up for you? He's got good things. It's got your name on it. It's just waiting for a delivery. It's in the storehouse. And there's a proper time, there's a proper place that it will come to you. I don't know when you're receiving mail, what you do, but I, I, if I'm wanting something that, that I'm looking forward to, I go out to the mail every day, mm, big cup today. Uh, but it's coming. It, it, it takes its time. There is a time attached to it. So let's summarize. We come with expectation because we serve a prayer-answering God. We come with confidence because of the goodness of God. And what is the result? Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Everybody say good gifts. How many like receiving good gifts? But what is good gifts here? It doesn't really give us an explanation. I understand. That. I was hearing Abambola who quoted the Luke translation where it says good gifts is referring to the Holy Spirit. And it is. But this is broader here. Good gifts. What is good gifts? I think sometimes parents confuse good gifts with indulgence, spoiling their kids, especially in the Western world. At the end of last year, Lois and I 
and our family went to Rye. And what we did is we hired a home for about five days. And it was lovely. We got everybody together. We all ate together. It was lovely. And Rye is very, very close to Sorrento and to, uh, and to Portsea. Sorrento is a beautiful place. If you haven't been there, you've got to go to Sorrento. It's beautiful, especially the back beach. It's spectacular. Anyway, uh, every now and then we would go down to Sorrento. And we, if you ever walk down the Sorrento shopping strip, you'll notice one thing if you pay attention. There's people with a lot of money there. The way they're dressed, the cars that they drive. And sometimes you'll see this 18-year-old driving a Porsche. You know, showing up, you, you can only go 30 kilometers. What are you doing? It's just showing off. And you feel like saying to the parents, what are you thinking? This, this, it's too much power, not enough maturity. He's going to stack this thing. What are you thinking? It's not a good gift. And then you'll see them at times, you'll, you'll get a person and, and they'll take out, especially young one, to take out their platinum card, no limits on them, plonk it on there, you know, there is my card. And, and you think, that's not good. Because when you start to spoil and when you start to feed indulgence, all you get in, in, a, in a young person or whoever it is, is arrogance and snooty and snobby, and entitlement, all this sort of thing. They haven't earned anything, and yet they've got it. It's all been given to them. Let me tell you, God will never do that with you. He will never feed your indulgence, but he will feed the areas of need in your life. I've got a statement here I want to make. Nothing is impossible to our God. Read it with me. He can do anything, but he will never give us anything that will be harmful no matter how urgently or repeatedly we ask for it. He won't do it. Uh, let me paint this scenario for you again. We have a child that comes up to a mum and dad and says, I want a piece of fish and can I have some bread? But what if that child, in ignorance, instead of asking for bread, instead of asking for a fish, asks for a snake? What about if he asks for a sharp knife to play with? What would a loving parent do? Oh, I want it now, I want it now. Would they give it to them? No, because that would, be, that would be negligence. And sometimes God is the only one who knows the difference between good and not so good. Now, now, now don't, don't misunderstand me. Ask! Ask! You don't know, but you need to ask. But sometimes your asking is wrong, but that's okay. He can, he can handle that. You know, I'm glad God didn't answer some of my prayers. Anybody else? Oh, wow, there's a, that's, what have you guys been praying? Can you tell me? <laughs> I mean, I prayed some things. I'm like, wow, thank God he didn't answer that. What was I thinking? You know, and then later on you go, oh, okay, I've got it now. I remember when I was 18, I, I thought God was leading me to Rome to, to go to a seminary there to study. I honestly thought that that was God's will. I was, I was getting ready to sell the car, leave the home, whatever it takes, Jesus, I'll be there, you know, I'll be on the next plane. And, and then suddenly, bang, God shut that door so, 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 he just closed it, like he couldn't open it whichever way. And it's because I was to meet the perfect partner in ministry. I didn't know. I had no idea. 
I'm glad he said, no, sorry, John. I remember when I was 16 years of age, I was sure, I was absolutely sure that I should become a building inspector. And I was making all of these plans for how I was going to do it, where I was going to study, and, and uh, I'll go around. I, I, I was sure. I was saying, Lord, thank you. Bang, shut it again. Because God didn't want me to build buildings. He wanted me to build his church, you see. You see? God knew. God knows better than you. You just have to trust him at times. That's all. You just got to trust him. So, and God politely says, no, or not yet. Listen to me. When God says yes, he's increasing your faith. When God says not yet, he's increasing your patience. When God says no, he's saying, I've got something better. That's the way it works. And so, you know, you, you go for an interview and you think this is a perfect job. You're all prepared and you, you psych yourself up and, and you think you're doing really well. And, and then, no, you, get a, you don't get the job. And what happens? You're disappointed. But you get over it. You know why? Because God is the giver of good gifts. God's got something better. Or maybe you're looking for a home. You're searching for a home everywhere. And now I know there's a shortage of homes. And, and you think, oh, this would be just perfect. It's within our price range. And you go to the auction and it starts up. And, and you're like, oh, that's it. We're finished. And well, how do you feel? You feel, oh, devastated. It's frustrating. It can't be. But you get over it. Why? Because, you know, God is a good God. And he's got something better for you. Or maybe you apply to a university and you think this would be just perfect and God just shuts the door. It means that God's got a better pathway for you. You've got to believe I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm going to see the goodness of God. I'm going to experience it. I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. But Lord, my trust is in you. Or maybe you're praying for some healing to a sickness and, and the answer just seems to be no at the moment temporarily. But what do you do? You continue to believe in the supernatural power and touch of God upon your life. But even though you're not seeing it right now, but I tell you something that doesn't happen. And it's this, that you, you have a conviction inside of your heart that you know that you know that you know that God is good and that God is faithful and your faith is not shaken because he's committed himself to you, because he is for you, because he's promised to be good to you all the days of your life. Can I have an amen here? And every day you confess these words. God is good. God is faithful. And I have been treated better than what I deserve. Can you close your eyes for a moment? I don't know where you are in your walk with God today. But I want to tell you this, that God is good. He's kind. He is good. He's not ever written you off. You never got off God's radar. He's never moved away from you. He's always moving toward you. And God's been kind to you. You may not even know if you only knew how kind God has been to you, how he's protected you, how he's guided you, how he's provided for you. That's who he is. And the Bible tells us this. It says that the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance, you see. Is meant to lead us to Himself so that we experience Him. As we, as we draw close to God, you see, He shows us His kindness and then 
as we draw close to Him, we experience His forgiveness and His grace and His mercy in our life. And maybe you've never accepted Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. You would know if you had or maybe you've moved away from Him. I'm going to pray a prayer. God is good to you. He's drawing you even to stay. And as we pray this prayer, if you say, when you pray that prayer, it's a prayer to lead you to God. It's a prayer that you will encounter God, that you will, not just from a father, you'll come to know Him really close. you experience His goodness in your life. And if, you, if you're saying today, when you pray that prayer, would you please include me? I want you to lift up your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. You say, God, I need to get my life right with you, right? Yes, amen. Anyone else? It's time for me. God is good. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. It's time for you to come. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The gentleness of Jesus, the call of Christ, never badges anyone. He just calls out. That's you. I want you to lift up your hand one more time. I'm going to ask because there's no forcing here. So you're ready to respond. Thank you. Those of you who lifted up your hand, can you lift up both hands toward God as a sign of surrender to Him? Let's all pray this prayer. Lord, this day, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you. You have never moved away from me. Now I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn from going my way to going your way. I bow before you, humble myself before you, and I ask for your kindness. I ask for your forgiveness because of Jesus. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Why don't we put our hands together, these people who made a step towards God. God is good. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.